This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com. www.kangaroofern.com. This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com. www.kangaroofern.com. A Kangaroo Fern production. A Gorilla Podcast Syndicate. Samutsari Conversation with Mimi To connect with other women who may need someone to talk to Around everyday life issues and challenges From managing career and household To inner productivity, relationships, and other hot topics Samutsari Conversation with Mimi Hello and welcome to Samutsari Conversations with Mimi, a podcast featuring hot topics and other topics of interest for men and women alike. We also feature guests sometimes on the show to share their passion and commitment to their professional talents. But sometimes it's just me solo. Like today, we will be talking about a topic um, that will be of interest to you as well, obviously, and sometimes it's a follow-up of an interview that I have already done. Here at Samutsari, we share stories to inspire you, stories from ordinary people who make extraordinary things. And in today's episode, we will talk about the five adjustments that you need to do or you need to make when you move to another country. So maybe I would like to just um, explain a little bit why we do a follow-up episode where I kind of recap and then add on to the details that a previous guest might have mentioned in the show and why sometimes the topic is about moving to another country. This is because we all know that we um, live in a very global society. So no one person stays in a given place anymore. A lot of the time, uh, people move around. We meet people move to a different country to live or maybe go on a holiday or to work or to stay there permanently. So for those people who are still thinking of doing this, um, I believe that I have some experience to share with you in terms of my own personal journey of moving to um, two different countries from uh, original, um, originally from the Philippines. So I think there will be some nuggets of wisdom that you will learn from, from me. And in today's episode, um, I would like to give you a little bit more insight on really what happens when you move to a new country. What do you do? What, is this, uh, what are some of the things that you have to consider? And what um, do you have to think about differently? So I would like to um, do a little bit of a presentation here, which I hope um, to share with you. 
Okay, um, so hopefully that um, helps us in in my. So hang on a second. Okay, so here are the five adjustments to make when starting out in a new country. So the five adjustments that I would like to discuss with you today are accommodation, travel, budget, job hunting, and networking. Are you a podcaster who's getting frustrated because your show results are not in your favor? Are you losing hope because you feel like podcasting doesn't help you generate income? Are you a podcast service provider who is struggling to meet your client's expectations? If yes, head on to www.podkai.com. Book a call with the founder of Podkai Media, Kai Villanueva, and get clear and proven strategies to earn through podcasting. So these are some of the decisions you have to make when considering um, those five adjustments. Are you going to do this solo, meaning kayo lang? Okay, you don't have your spouse, you don't have your kids, or are you going to consider this bringing your family with you straight away when you go abroad? Okay, so really this requires a lot of thinking and serious decision making. So let's start with the first adjustment. So I mentioned accommodation. So one of the things that you would like to think about is whether to rent, to buy a house straight away, or to share a room or sometimes a flat, okay, with other pe people. So it could be your kababayan or it could be a person from another culture. So knowing your budget for accommodation, um, it needs to be sorted beforehand. So don't go coming into a new country and moving into a new home without deciding this because if you don't have the budget, where are you going to stay? Uh, it's very expensive to stay in a hotel, whether it's the um, very flash kind of hotel or whether this is a low budget hotel, it's still very expensive. Um, so if you plan on renting, you need to have at least three months worth of rent in your pocket money so you can survive. Um, if you have plenty of cash, go ahead and buy. But most likely, if you are on your own, you will share a room with your flatmates. But makikitira muna, that's another option. So when you say makikitira muna, it could be with a family friend or somebody who knows you. Uh, it, maybe it's, um, it's not really a friend, but you've been referred to this house by a fellow kababayan or a kamag-anak. Even if it's your kamag-anak, um, how long are you going to stay with this family? Um, sometimes two or three months is a good time to stay with them. But if you are staying with them for a year, you should also consider whether it's a good idea for you to continue staying with them or whether you will be renting um, for this uh, amount of time that you will be with them. Or uh, sometimes it's very difficult na makikitira because of the expectations. Ano ba ang expectations? You have to be clear about this. What do you expect from them and what do they expect from you? The other issue that you have to um, think about when you want to consider where to accommodate yourself is kaya nyo bang makisama? 
behave. Um, can you handle being with a roommate or a flatmate that you don't really know? You have your own habits. They have their own habits. You have your own timetable or schedule. They have their own timetable and schedule. Are you willing to compromise uh, to be in that same place as them? And even if you are makikitira with your kamag-ana, you also have to consider pakikisama. So you're not there on a vacation. So there are also obviously certain expectations that you have to meet. So I am really, really suggesting that you need to organize your accommodation even before you leave the home country or where you are. It's always good to have address, an address ready when immigration or custom asks you, where are you staying? Have you booked a hotel? Or have you already made rental arrangements? Sometimes they even ask for copies of the rental agreement or any paperwork that proves where you are going. Because otherwise, you might be there on a TNT or tago ng tago basis, which you don't want them to, to think that you're there to hide. So it's always good to make sure that you know where you're going. Um, also, when you, um, you know, uh, fill out this arrival card, uh, uh, even on the plane, they also ask you if you have an address uh, in the destination that you're going to. So it's always good to have this ready. Um, and in my case, before I even um, asked my family to join me here in Australia, I have already sorted out where we are going to rent. So when they arrive, there's already a, a place for them to, to go to. But when we started out in New Zealand, it was first my husband only. And then I came uh, a few months later and then it's just the two of us. And we um, we did option two, which is Mahikitaramuna. So we were there for a few uh, weeks until the kids arrived. And after the kids arrived, after a few weeks, we immediately looked for um, a rental house so we don't have to stay with them because um, otherwise there will be two families in one little house and that's going to be difficult to move around and you don't have privacy. And then the other thing that you need to consider in terms of accommodation is the distance from your job hunting prospects or where you would ideally like to work. Um, you, if, if you're starting out, I suggest if it's just a temporary accommodation, you have to be closest or closer to the place where you are applying uh, for jobs, for different jobs. And then once you are in a uh, solid job position or you, you got a job and you intend to stay there for a longer time in that job, then you can consider moving uh, closer again to where your job uh, leads you. So at the moment, uh, if you are nakikitera, you don't have a choice, okay? You don't have a choice where, where you are and um, you don't know where you will end up looking for a job. So if you have to um, travel um, for a certain distance to get to that um, job opportunity, then, then do it. At least you have a temporary place to stay. And sometimes if you are nakikitera or going with your relatives, or uh, being referred to by a kababayan to stay with uh, other people, you know, one or two weeks of, of being with them is a big help. Makakatipid kayo ng konte if they don't want you to pay them for rent. So um, you have to uh, take advantage of that. So do as much job hunting as you can while you're in that place so you can get more settled. And then also consider the distance. Um, if you are with your family, how 
far is your house from the school of the kids? That's one of the main considerations. And also, if your wife or your husband intends to work, how far is your house or wherever you're staying or planning to stay in terms of where they're also um, you know, actively looking for a job. So accommodation is critical because it is very strategic where you want to go. Um, the other um, thing that I mentioned a while ago, consider childcare as well. So if not just the school, but if you're bringing your family with you as you start your new life in a new country, um, maybe you have to also consider, is it worth bringing the kids along? Who are going to be the principal carers or people responsible looking after them while you and your husband or wife potentially go out and look for a job? So um, it's not like in the Philippines where you can ask um, a kapitbahay or your neighbor or a family member to look after them while you look for a job. When you are overseas, there's nobody that provides that kind of service. You have to arrange for a professional child care provider. So that means paying extra to get your child be minded by other people. So if that is not an option for you, maybe it's cheaper if you just let them wait, don't bring them with you until you're very certain where you're ending up um, staying and working and you can arrange a, a nearby school for them. So childcare is also another consideration when you look for accommodation. So if there are no... So you want to start a podcast or perhaps you've already started one, but you're still unclear on how you can actually make this podcasting work. No worries. That's why we're here for you. We are Gorilla Podcast Syndicate, powered by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab. Join our network. Contact us at info at kangaroofern.com because we're stronger together. Nearby um, facilities or community support for the children is going to be very, very tough for you to leave them. Uh, meaning, you know, go and find a job and be assured that somebody will be with them as you are out of the house. So make sure that you think about this. Now let's go to travel adjustment. So that's the second um, second um, consideration or adjustment that you need to be able to um, sort out. So I mentioned a while ago that the distance from your job hunting prospects is really critical. If you have uh, a job that you target in the city and you are in a two to three hour by commute train or bus away from the city, then it might not be a good idea to stay there long term. You have to look for a place closer to where you're targeting uh, your job. Unless your job is um, not based in the city um, and it's based on, um, for example, a farm or the countryside, the rural area, it probably doesn't matter uh, if, if you can uh, be where you are within the proximity of where you are. And then the other thing that you need to consider is your actual commute. So these are um, issues that you have to think about. Hindi sanay sa bus. Hindi sanay mag-train. Hindi sanay mag-commute. Okay, what are you going to do if you're so used to um, driving in a car and you can't buy a car and you have no choice but to wait for bus, buses or trains to arrive and you have to walk a certain distance to get to the bus or the train. So um, are you willing to do that? 
On the other hand, do you have enough money to buy yourself a second-hand car? So don't buy a brand new car straight away. Buy just um, a, a vehicle that will get you from point A to point B. It ha- doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be functional. It has to be working properly and will not, um, you know, cough up dollars just to be repaired every so often. So it has to be a reliable vehicle, a reliable car. Um, even if you have a car, assuming that you can buy yourself a car, but the commute distance is still quite far from where you live to get to your target job opportunity or to where you are working, then also consider your travel time and your petrol cost. So is it easier to park your car in a train station and take the train? Is it faster? Is it cheaper? Or take the bus instead? Um, or is it going to save you long term if you buy a car? So the choice really depends on where you're living and where you intend to work. The budget consideration obviously comes into play because if you did not budget for um, your commuting, your transportation allowance in your everyday um, expenses, then it will be a disaster for you. How can you go to work? And if you are studying at the same time, how can you go to school? if you don't factor in uh, a certain amount of money for your travel expenses. And I also already mentioned about the commute time. Um, obviously, it is ideal if you are nearer to your place of work or your place of um, study. But if not, um, can you find alternative ways of um, you know, making the best use of your time traveling and in the most inexpensive way or the cheapest way? So the other um, consideration, so we already mentioned accommodation and then with the second one is travel. Now we'll talk about the budget adjustments. So a lot of people are um, traveling overseas to migrate permanently or to be an OFW, but have not really thought about the budget. So they only have with them the pocket money, meaning that's Uh, the very minimum basic amount of money that they think they need to survive in the first few weeks. But to tell you honestly, you should not be planning for survival in the next few weeks. You should be planning for your survival in the next few months. Because if you don't have an immediate job offer or you don't have a job waiting for you, meaning you will spend time looking for a job like actively applying online and in person and getting those interviews happening um, and even if you have a temporary job but you're still actively looking for your dream job then obviously it will take time for your budget to um, settle in and um, before you can actually say how much money do you need to save in order to survive So, what are some of the things that you have to prepare for? So, the some of the things include your rent. How much rent are you paying every week uh, in a house or in a flat? Or um, even if you are nakikitira, how much are you contributing to them? So, those are your rent, your utilities. Utilities mean your um, electricity, your internet, your water, and your heating. Or, or gas if, if the house has a heater or even if you're not um, you know if you're not using gas for your heating but you're using electricity for your for your heater you still need to pay uh, for for the use of the the, heat, the electricity 
And then food and other personal needs, for example, clothing, uh, your toiletries, your personal effects, okay, apart from your food. And obviously, sometimes we can't help it that kailangan pa natin magpadala sa Pilipinas even though we are still looking for that job abroad. I suggest, I really, really suggest you explain to your family members overseas um, if you can cut down on what you would normally give them because you don't have enough to survive anyway on your own or you barely have enough to survive on your own. Or if you don't want to cut it, are they okay for you not to give for the for a certain amount of time only until you are able to provide again because you again you may you may need like emergency expenses to buy uniform or uh, if you need a course uh, for example you need to be uh, certified in something in order for you to do your job and you have to enroll in a seminar to get that license or certificate and you don't have the money for that how are you going to complete the requirements of the job okay so my suggestion is you need to have advanced cash on hand like money that you have on your hand for uh, months of no work okay remember you're not working yet you're still looking for a job we are independent podcast network we are guerrilla podcast syndicate would you like to hear your brand while supporting quality podcasts contact us now at advertise at guerrilla podcast syndicate Com. In order for you to be afloat, meaning in order for you to comfortably survive in the minimum amount of uh, money to spend. Okay, so I'm thinking that could be times three or times four to cover three to four months. So let's have a look at an example of a somewhat realistic um, budgeting, okay, which I prepared here for you to get an idea of how much you might be spending whether it's Australian dollars or New Zealand dollars and I'm assuming hindi na po magkakalayo or the figures won't be too far off if you are staying somewhere else in Europe, somewhere in Asia or maybe in the United States. So normally um, the budget is computed uh, on a weekly basis. So I have here per week. So rent is potentially $350 per week, whether that's for yourself or for a family. Food, $200 per week. So you have to factor in how many weeks, maybe a month, four weeks. Travel, $100 per week. So this is your petrol or your uh, bus money or your train money. Utilities, internet, electricity, water. And I said for heating, you use gas. So maybe $150 a month, okay? So if you will compute that 350 plus 200, 550, 600, um, 6, 750. Okay, 750 times, that's a week, times four weeks. So 750 times four weeks, that's almost 2K a month per person. That's not even a family living expense. Um, and then you have to think about because you're looking for a job, you need to have a way of connecting uh, to your potential employers as you apply for a job. So you need a laptop. So a laptop probably um, you get if you love watching TV, you can also use your laptop if you don't have a TV, <laughs> which you can bring with you before you go. So if you buy your laptop, it's probably around two thousand dollars. 
Okay? Um, and then a car, think about buying a car. A second-hand reliable car is around $4,000. Okay? And if you're bringing your family, you have to multiply that with the number of members um, plus school expenses if you have kids. Okay? And what about recreation expenses? If you are on your own, you can probably do away with this. But if you have a family, sometimes he will ask you to go out, dine out, go to the park. Okay, mama um, uh, go have a family outing. So a person with no job will find it very difficult to do this. But obviously, you can't keep your family inside the house all the time, uh, especially with young kids. They also need um, to be entertained and to be busy. So you also have to factor in your budget for this. So uh, $2,000 a month. And that's just for everything uh, for a person. What if you have a family? Maybe you need around five or 6,000 a month to survive, especially if they are school age kids. And you also have to pay for child care. They call it after school care. If you need somebody to look after them, when they finish school before you pick them up or before school care like before they go to school somebody will pick them up take care of them and bring them to school so budgeting is really really important it's not uh, enough that you have your pocket money uh, for the, maybe one or two weeks you need to be armed with cash on hand for the first three to four months the bare 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 minimum because when you move to a new country, you don't always get the job that you like. It usually takes you three to four months. It, uh, but the situation nowadays is there's more competition. So you don't necessarily also get the job in three to four months. Sometimes it will take you six to eight months to get a job. Sometimes it takes you years. So what are you going to do while, you're, while you look for the job that you really, really like? You don't have a choice but to look for other types of jobs in order to survive. Which brings me to the next, um, to the next and the fourth um, adjustment that you have to make, which is your job hunting strategy. Okay, the problem with most people is that when they uh, have a certain position or they have a certain job they have in the Philippines, they think that when they go overseas, they will immediately get exactly the same job that they want. And based on an interview with Mar Esparas uh, in another episode, we have discussed there that that's not always the case. So be prepared and expect that you might need to do a job other than what you're used to in order to survive the first few weeks and months of your stay in that new country. So for example, that job can be a manual labor kind of job. It can be a low position job compared to the one that you're used to. Why do we suggest that you accept these kinds of jobs? Okay, even though they're not your ideal jobs and even though you feel hurt because it feels like you are demoting yourself. In reality, when you're uh, in another country or abroad, they don't care about who you are, who you were previously coming to that country. All they care about is how you perform in that job that you have in their country right then and right at that moment, okay? So why do we suggest that you accept this position, whether it's a manual job or a low position kind of job? So number one, because you need to gain local experience. So it's like chicken and egg. Sometimes the job advertisement wants you to have certain experience. 
And even if you have overseas experience or experience in the Philippines, it doesn't always count that much. Some employers prefer that you have local experience, so experience in their country. And if you are bagong salta, bagong arrive, you've just been there, obviously you won't have this local experience. So if I'm your, uh, if I'm uh, going to advise you, take that job just so you can gain local experience because you need to put that in your CV. You need to put local experience in your CV. That will give you better advantage compared to just giving all those experiences overseas. Because in the eyes of the employer, anybody can claim that they've done X, Y, Z sort of jobs, but they haven't seen them do it locally. They would get the person who can prove that they can do the job locally. Okay? So that's number one reason. The second reason is, obviously, you only have your pocket money with you. And I mentioned earlier that in the budgeting scheme of things, you need to have months of cash on hand as protection money so you can survive. So if you're running low on your personal funds, you need any kind of job to give you that cash flow, okay? So that you have that pocket money to pay for your rent, for your food, for your transport, um, uh, and other things that you need while waiting for your dream job to happen. So if you have a low position or a manual job or a job that just gives you the money right here, right now, while you continue to apply for your dream job, it will help you get into the uh, new routine of, of adjusting to getting a job, doing a job in another country, okay? So I remember Mar and I have also talked about adjusting your CV to fit the quali qualifications you are applying for. Okay, what does that mean? So um, sometimes when people give me CVs to read or or review, um, they give me that generic PINAS kind of CV. So when you're in another country, sometimes you have to modify your CV to suit the CV template or to suit the structure that is common in that country. Sometimes there are things in the Filipino CV that's not really relevant or required in a in a foreign foreign or um, in an overseas CV. So I really suggest don't put too much stuff in the CV that won't help you in your job application. Okay, so that's what it means by adjusting the CV to fit the qualifications you are applying for. So if you look at the job requirements or the job advertisement. Emphasize only the skills you can offer that are related to what they are looking for. Even if you're very brilliant in the other skills, but those are not the skills they want, don't put it there. Because if they say, oh, she's very good in this, but this is not who we're looking for, they can easily trash your CV because you're probably applying for another job, not the job that they're actually looking for. So I learned that myself. So I learned how to modify my CV and adjust my CV for the requirements. And another thing about adjusting your CV means you have to tone it down a little bit. So like what Mar said, uh, even if he has a bank manager position, but the job he's applying for is just a, a clerk, clerk or a clerical accounting role, he doesn't have to put the manager stuff there. Otherwise, he'll be considered as uh, too um, overqualified for that job. Okay. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking on the subscribe button now. This podcast is possible by listeners like you.
Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So that's that. I really want to do another whole series on CV writing and um, uh, and how to adjust your CV accordingly, but that is not in today's episode. Okay, the other point that I have here is wag mapili. Kung ano ang mga job na available, whatever is available for you, I suggest you take it. Because again, it is a learning experience for you, how you deal with people in a new country, you will gain local experience, and you need the cash flow. And you have to be aggressive and be proactive. Be aggressive means wag nang mahihiya, okay? So if there's a job that's available, be proactive and um, try your best to prove that you can do the job, like what Mar said, okay? Um, don't just dismiss the job simply because you don't think you like it. So between not liking it and not having a job, I don't know which you will prefer. I would prefer to be in a job, earn money, so I can go back to my original dream, my original objective, which is to get settled, have a job, um, and then um, maybe sooner than later, I will be able to bring my family because I can already afford it rather than being too picky. So being aggressive means also uh, getting out of your shell, not really being aggressive in a negative way, but showing that you are eager to learn. And then Mar also said about be flexible. Again, this is not about who you are before you arrived in this country, but it's about who you are now and what you can offer to this country. So don't be too um, picky on the jobs. Again, local experiences whether you are volunteering or whether you're getting paid if you do your job well even if it's a low position job or a manual job do it well because the people that are working with you may be your potential referees meaning you will ask them for their name their email and phone numbers and you will be asking them later on to give good words about you when you are applying for your dream jobs People understand that, but if you, um, you know, if you worked um, in a place and they don't really like you, you don't expect them to give you good reviews for your potential employer, especially if it's your dream job. If they don't think that they are worth, um, you know, saying good things about you, so make sure that you make your local experience work for you in the most positive way because those people that you are um, working with are going to be your advocates when it's time for you to apply for your really um, sought after dream job. And then last point here, be ready to reinvent yourself to have a different job, but skilled enough to meet the immigration requirements. So exactly this whole section on job hunting, actually everything that I'm um, sharing with you are based on my experience as well as a migrant, um, first in New Zealand, now in Australia. This is my formula that I've followed uh, since moving to two countries and it worked every time. Okay, so this is my my winning strategy that I'm sharing with you. And the lesson I think that I can really share with you today is be ready to reinvent yourself to have a different job. When I left the Philippines, I have really made up my mind that I will not be uh, you know, it's a new life for me. So I have to embrace the newness of it. I have to embrace the different experiences that I will get, I will have, I will experience. I will have to embrace what opportunities are being made available for me. That 
if and if that means reinventing myself okay uh, reinventing my cv reinventing my mindset reinventing my skills learning new things then i would have to do it because that's my decision and i want to stay in that place and i want to make sure that i do everything that is required in order for me to succeed in this new life so i'm also advising you to also be ready to reinvent yourself you can't be stuck in the past okay and finally this is a very very good adjustment and a strategy as well that there must be changes in your attitude towards networking you have to make adjustments as well okay so what does that mean you need to get out of your comfort zone so if before mahiyain kayo now is at not the time to be mahiyain now is the time to explore your community and find out which services are available to you for example community centers there are a lot of community groups having different activities so you can be interested to join one of them that's the way to meet people there's also citizens advice bureaus that can give you advice on where to go if you need help for something and maybe where to find the jobs or where you can volunteer there are also lots of filipino communities and filipino groups everywhere in the world <laughs> i'm pretty sure there will be one there where you are or where you're planning to go and there will be industry organizations that you can first approach to get that um you know trial job uh for example try me out for a week and then let me go if you're not happy with me or or can i volunteer there for a month just so i will learn how how things are done so do those explore the community get out of your comfort zone in order to survive okay i think that's the key word um if you just be on your own or you don't really become proactive nothing's gonna happen to you that will help you succeed so consider volunteering that's another strategy to create connections volunteering helps to get your local experience remember when we were talking about how important it is to get the local experience and to get those referees that can vouch for your uh, reputation which will assist in you being more successful in your job applications and um, whether we like it or not it's sometimes who you know that helps you succeed rather than what you know it's those relationships it's those people who can talk about you in a positive way can propel you for success rather than just doing things on your own without the support of others it's very difficult to prove yourself if you're just talking about it but if you can have other people talk about you in a good way in terms of what you have been able to do then those uh, testimonials are the best um what do you call that they're the best indicators of your credibility as a worker so i really believe that networking needs to be a part of your agenda when you move to another country and mind you some people um are already doing this prior to even arriving in the country they are already starting to build their network so that once they get on shore and meet with these people then it's easier for them to, to to do what they need to do because they already have the contacts so make sure that you are ready with your contacts so i hope that you have uh, been able to absorb some of the information that i shared with you today and i hope that you learned something so we talked about accommodation travel budgeting um and also adjusting your your cv your job hunting prospects 
And then finally, I talked about networking. So those are the five adjustments that you need to uh, consider when you move to another country, especially if you're just just starting out, when you've just arrived. Those are the very critical first few weeks or first few months of your life as a, a, a person in a new country, a new person in a new country. So if you have more information or if you enjoyed this um, episode or if you need me to help you out with something more specific, please reach out to me at mimi at dinosocial.com. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening uh, to me today. Um, and please don't forget to like and subscribe to my YouTube channel for more Samutsari episodes. Samutsari is a member of the Gorilla Podcast Syndicate. You can also reach out to me by my Facebook page or my Twitter account. And please also check out the other podcasts of the Gorilla Podcast Syndicate. Thank you. This is Mimi again saying... I enjoyed sharing my experience with you today and I hope um, that you will tune in to a future episode of Samasari. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit our website at www.guerillapodcastsyndicate.com where you can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, If you found value in this show, rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. You can also join the conversation with Gorillas RE on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please consider on making a donation to help us keep making the podcast you love. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Gorilla Podcast Syndicate Production. We are Independent Podcast Network. We are Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Would you like to hear your brand while supporting quality podcasts? Contact us now at advertise at gorillapodcastsyndicate.com. Are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one, but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangroofern.com www.kangaroofern.com